Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. When I was at school, high school, 13, 14, my best friend was a guy called Pete. The other thing was I was small, he was huge. Uh, he was about six foot two, six foot three then. And uh, I remember going onto Denton Market one time and saw him sitting there, um, just, uh, just chatting around with people. So I went over and had a talk with Pete. He was wearing a tracksuit and just, you know, looked older than us. He even had stubble and everything. So I went over. Now, when I came back, my mum said to me, who was that you were talking to? I said, oh, it's Pete from school. And she was like, Pete? So at school, they let the teachers let you call them by their first names. I don't agree with that at all. And I'm like, mum, no, he's not one of the teachers. He's my mate. But the thing was, you see, he was so much bigger than she ever thought he would be. The Apostle John, was Jesus's best friend. In fact, that's how he really wanted to be referred to as the disciple who Jesus loved. So when John wrote his gospel, his story of Jesus, he wrote about somebody that he knew, somebody that he loved deeply and personally. Many scholars believe that they would have grown up knowing each other. He would have, maybe Jesus was a few years older, but Nazareth was only a small town perhaps only a couple of streets, 120 to 150 people maximum living there. And they probably went to the same synagogue school together. So he would have known Jesus. But once he really got to know him, he realized that his friend was a lot bigger than he thought. The Gospels are really biographies which tell the stories from the kind of eyewitness accounts of those who were closest to Jesus, those who saw who he was, what he did, recorded what he said, remembered these things and wanted us to remember them. And so some of them start differently. Matthew and Luke start by telling the stories of Jesus's birth. Mark comes straight in by talking about Jesus's ministry. But John, when he wants to tell us the start about Jesus, he doesn't start with either of those things. He starts way, way back in the beginning, before there was even a beginning. He says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Very clearly, he straight off, he wants to tell us who Jesus is. He wants to tell us that Jesus is the Lamb of God, the Word of God, and the Son of God. He says all those things very clearly up front at the beginning of his Gospel, and he says it, life is in him. In fact, 36 times in his gospel, John uses the word life because he's come to realise that apart from Jesus, there is no life. That's why at Ivy, we're all about Jesus. See, there's always going to be crises in the world. We're always 
either in the middle of one or we're just coming out of one or we're about to go into one. That isn't new. Nobody knows what's going to happen in the future from a human perspective. That's why we all need something unchanging to build our lives on. That's why everybody needs an anchor, a hope that will hold you. So as the, as the world reels, as politicians and pundits ponder and postulate about the future, Jesus is the same. Yesterday, today and forever. So I suggest you put your hope in him. That's why we're all about Jesus. See, we only pick a few names to be able to describe him in this series. And actually, ultimately, we realise Jesus is indescribable. We're never going to get to the bottom. We're never going to be able to find out all that there is to know about him for all of eternity. He's that wonderful. Later on, John says in his own gospel, all the books in the world couldn't contain all the wonderful things that there are to learn about Jesus. And he keeps on adding to those books every single day all around the world. He's still adding to those books. In fact, he will add today, if you say yes to him, if you say, yes, I want to follow him, he'll actually write you in his book, in his book of life forever, everlasting life. That's what I pray for you today, that you'll discover who Jesus really is. And when John wanted to answer the question, who is Jesus Christ? He starts by telling us he is the Word, the Word. Some translators would have this, uh, the tenses of what he's put is translated like this. Before there was a beginning, the Word was. He's saying something, somebody existed before anything existed. The Logos that's the Greek word for word. The Logos, before everything got began, was already there. And the language that, God, that he wrote in, in, is the Greek language, was also, it was also appealing to Jews and to Greek philosophers of the day. People would have been aware of this idea of the Logos. It was a concept that was found in people like Heraclitus and um, Aristotle, uh, who would, and the Stoics, they would all write about the, the controlling force of creation, the, the, the principle that made sense of everything that has been made, the organising, eternally existing principle. They came up with this idea that the Big Bang or whatever that people now talk about could never have just happened, that there had to be something that was, was making it happen and shaping what was happening. It wasn't just an accident. They couldn't have enough faith to believe it was just an accident, neither can I. So what they came up with was this idea of the Logos. And of course, the way he starts will reflect back to Jewish people from Genesis chapter 1, at the beginning of the Bible, where it talks about how everything got started, apart from God who got it all started. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Genesis chapter 1 would resonate with the Hebrew people who read what John wrote here because he intentionally reflects back and refers back to that very famous first line of the Bible, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And ever since, of course, people have asked, how? Well, eight times it just says, God said, and God said, and God said, and what God said was, well, what did God say? What did God speak? 
the word, the logos. John sums it all up. All that God said, all that God did happened because of the word, the creating power of God, the wisdom of God, the organizing principle of God. The word was with God and the word is God. And as I've said, the Jews and the Greeks, like every other civilization in history, were trying to figure out among all of the chaos they were desperate to find out what gives meaning to life in the universe. That will always be the case. That will never, ever change. Just like you and me and every other person who ever lived on the face of the earth, we're always going to be asking five big questions. Number one, who am I? Number two, where did I come from? Number three, why am I here? This is the one that causes most frustration for most people most of the time. Number four, what can I do? What are my potentials? What are my possibilities? And number five, where am I going? Is this it? What happens afterwards? Is this as good as it gets? Failing to answer these questions will lead to frustration. Finding the answers to these questions will free us. So all these brilliant philosophers talked and argued and ended up coming up with this concept of the logos, the point of truth that would uh, be the lens through which everything else could be understood. They're trying to make sense of their chaotic world. They're looking for a unified principle, a way that, to be able to help make sense of life. But they ended up uh, coming up with a principle. They never thought of it as being personal. Now, again, remember the question that John is trying to answer. Who is Jesus Christ? And we can find out a lot by looking at some of the things that he said about himself and some of the titles that other people gave him. Messiah, Son of Man, the Way, the Resurrection, the Life, Emmanuel, Lamb of God, King of Kings. These are all titles and names that we can examine. But however big you think he is, he's bigger than that. However great you think he is, he's greater than that. Don't shrink Jesus down. In a world that has lost the plot, we need to find our place in a bigger story. And the bigger story is all about Jesus. That's why John tells the story, not starting in Bethlehem, not starting at school in Nazareth, because he has found out by this time, he's figured out, it's been revealed to him, the one that he's writing about didn't just get started there, but never had it really a beginning but was the one who got the beginning begun. It wasn't once upon a time, but once before there was time, in eternity past, the Word was there as God. See, we think of Jesus, and people just go back a couple of thousand years to Israel. It's way bigger than that. We tell the Jesus story from the womb to the tomb, but the Bible is the story of him from the beginning to the end, from the very beginning to the very end that opens up a new beginning on a plot line that stretches from Genesis right the way through to Revelation. We are all about Jesus because if you ask Jesus what the Bible was all about, he'd say, it's all about me. If you want to understand what Christianity is all about, it's all about Jesus. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning and the end. He foretells, he fulfills every promise. He is the one through which it all makes sense. He's the key to every mystery. He said himself many times that he is the subject of the Scriptures. Everything in here points to him. He is the living Word and all of history 
is held together and everything that is consists and is held together by him and by his promises and by his power. He said to some Pharisees who were experts in the law, they knew the Old Testament inside out and back to front. He said to them, you diligently search the scriptures because in them you hope to be able to find eternal life, but you refuse to come to me, the one that it's all about, and actually find life, get a life. It's like they were so busy memorising the menu that they never got round to eating any of the meal. He is the word. Jesus is the name. Christ is the title. And Lord is the only reasonable response. God, you see, has always been there. People ask the question, who made God? It's a nonsense question. God has always been. Father, Son and Holy Spirit. It's a mystery we can't get our heads around, otherwise we'd be joining him in the Trinity. We're not qualified for that. Jesus was the name that the earthly parents gave the pre-existent, ever-existing Son. They did that because God told them to, when God became a human. But before that, and forevermore, the Son has always existed. He is the Son. That's why the Spirit very precisely inspired Isaiah to write, to us a child is born, to us a son is given. A child was born to Mary and Joseph, but he was always the Son who's been given to us. And the Son is the Logos, the God who created the heavens and the earth. God come to speak our language, learned our language. How amazing is that? Jesus was fully man and fully God. This is what John came to see. And there's no clearer opening that you could begin with, no statement that crystallises it more clearly, the deity of Christ, than how he starts. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Greek could literally read, God was the Word. The writer of Hebrews puts it like this. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he's spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed to be heir of all things and through whom he also made the universe. The son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. That says the Logos is God. Jesus is the Logos. Jesus is the way. The way that God comes into the world and communicates to the world and changes the world and saves the world that he made. Did you get that? Did you notice it said that Jesus is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being. Jesus started it all, sustains it all, and he's the only one who can save, it, save us all. That's who Jesus is. That's why we're all about Jesus. However great you could think he is, he's greater than that. However big you think he is, he's bigger than that. Because, the, the, and the amazing thing is, he became smaller for us. That blew John's mind, and it has to blow yours too, if your mind is still switched on. Because years later, John went on to wrote, the one who was from the beginning, we saw him, we touched him, we knew him. He had a name, Jesus. The Logos became my Lord. The Messiah became my mate. In verse 14, he says, 
The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Wow, God became flesh. When, when Jesus took on flesh to save us, that was an astonishing thing. It was also something that the Greek philosophers would really struggle with. When John wrote that bit about the Logos becoming flesh, it would have blown their minds because as far as they were concerned, the divinity was so far removed from what was created. Divinity, the gods were, were pure and we are defiled. They're, we're dirty. They're divine. There's such a chasm between us. The idea that divinity would come and touch dirty there was no way that they could ever imagine that to happen. That was why Greek philosophy and that mindset got it so wrong. But John declares that the Word, the eternal God, became flesh. Because we could never become like God by our own effort. God became like us. So that by trusting in Him, we can become like God. We're made in the image of God. He loves our bodies. We're sinful in our minds. In our psyche, Greek word psyche, what you get psychology from, psychiatry, to do with the mind. It's also to do with the soul. We sin because our minds and our souls rebel against God and we use our bodies in order to be able to do that. But God loves our bodies and wants to fill our bodies with his spirit so we're controlled by him. Jesus said anybody who sins is a slave to sin. Just try and stop if you don't believe me. But then he said, he who the sun sets free is free indeed. When I was leading an Anglican church, we used to say something every Sunday to try and sum up what this is all about. It took them 300 and odd years to come up with the Nicene Creed to be able to talk about what this profound truth really means. And they would stand and declare this together. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten not made of one being with the Father. Through him all things were, were made for us and for our salvation. He came down from heaven. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he became incarnate from the Virgin Mary and was made man. And for our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in accordance with the scriptures and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead and his kingdom will have no end. Now when people ask what kind of church you are, I had this recently, twice in the same day. People who are asking those five big questions asked questions about church. They said, what kind of a church are you? Are you Anglican? Are you Catholic? Is it Christian? What kind of church is it? And the answer I gave them is the answer that I want us to give to anybody who asks. We're all about Jesus. We're all about Jesus. See, Jesus answers the five big questions. Who am I? You're not God. Anything that you put in the place of God is an idol. When you give yourself to that thing, that makes you a sinner who needs a saviour. The saviour is Jesus. Where did I come from? God made you. You're no accident. Before you were even born, he had a plan to love you. You are not the cause of some 
cosmic fluke. You have divine purpose. Why am I here? You're here to discover that plan. And the only way you're going to do that is if you, the made one, comes to the manufacturer to figure it out. He wants you to receive his love and believe his promises. What can I do? You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Where am I going? Well, that depends on who you go with. Jesus said there is a broad way that leads to destruction and he's the narrow way which if you follow him will lead to life, 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 life. And John has written all of this truth about his best friend who was also God. And then he says something that if you'd never heard it before, if you didn't know the story, you'd find it incredible. He says that after all that love, after all of that sacrifice, when God would become a baby, when the word would have to learn to speak, when the king of heaven would come into the darkness of this world, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognise him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. What? God comes to earth and earth says, no thanks, busy. Well, we know it happened and we know it happens. Worse than that, they didn't just reject him, they called the truth a liar. They told the way to get lost. They took the life and put him on a cross. It happened 2,000 years ago at Calvary and it happens today. Whenever anybody decides, I'm going to be in charge of my little world, without you, Jesus. He came to them and they said no to God. He came to John to be his friend and John said yes and he didn't follow perfectly but he said yes Lord and he received life, 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 life everlasting. That's why we're all about Jesus. That's, this is what we believe at Ivy. We are all about Jesus and God is all about Jesus and the Bible is all about Jesus. That creed said it like this, for us and for our salvation he came down. It took all those years to theologically come up with that incredible statement. It's hard to put it into words but it's easy to put it into your heart. But right from the start the early church just had a very simple phrase that they said this was what would determine as to whether or not for you you knew Jesus in this way. This is the creed they recited, very simple. Jesus is Lord. So every week in this series, we're going to ask you, who do you think Jesus is? Jesus asked his friends that question. They came up with all kinds of different answers to it. Is he a madman? Is he a myth? Is he a messiah? Is he a prophet or a swear word? He's bigger. He's bigger than everything. Jesus Christ is Lord. Do you know him? Do you know that? Paul said, I want to know him. I know what it feels like to want to know him better. I've been following him for years. I just know there's so much to know about Jesus. So, how do you know the word? The Bible says this in Romans 10, 8 to 11. The word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the message concerning faith we proclaim. If you declare with your mouth... Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified and it is with your mouth 
that you profess your faith and are saved. As scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. The word is near you. Jesus is right here, right now. He came from heaven to earth and now he comes to us because we belong to him. We are his own. He comes to his own, will we accept him or reject him? What's my life about? What's your life about? He wants your life to be all about him. That's how you receive everlasting life. It's all about Jesus. When you declare Jesus is Lord, John says, he came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. So what about you today? Now, will you receive him or reject him? Then he says, yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. That's your choice. What will you do? Nothing you can buy will ever fully satisfy you. Nothing you can do will make you acceptable to God upon your own merit. No, nobody else will love you like Jesus Christ has loved you. Your sins have separated you from God, but the word God wants to speak to you is love, is forgiveness, is acceptance, is Jesus. Whatever you do, he said from the cross, Father, forgive them. So what will you say? Will you accept him right now or will you reject him? You might have rejected him many times. He says, if you reject me, I'll reject you. But he said, if anybody comes to me, I'll never turn them away. His love is giving you one more chance. Say yes to Jesus. Make your life all about Jesus. And I mean say it. Because it's not just about opening your heart, it's about opening your mouth, the Bible says. God is watching your declarations, what's coming out of your mouth. So I'm encouraging you to say now and for the rest of your life, Jesus is Lord, Jesus is Lord. Over every problem, every question, every project, every decision, from now on, Jesus is Lord. Can you say that today? For some people, this will be for the first time, for other people to reaffirm what you really believe. That the word gives meaning, is the central truth over your life. The biggest questions are all answered by Jesus Christ. So standing up now, if you can, put your hand on your heart and get ready to say it, to pray it. But one more time, let me tell you what it means so you can say what you mean and mean what you say. This means that the word, Jesus, is the final word over your life. Past, present and future. You have forgiveness, you have a friend and you have a future. Forever. That means darkness goes. The light comes in. There's no compromise, no half-heartedness, no turning back. In fact, you turn your back on everything that you know to be wrong so you can follow Jesus Christ fully from now on. If there's anything you need to put right, you have to put that right. But this means that the one who came from heaven, what an indescribable miracle, has done an even more incredible thing that he will come into our hearts which is even more wonderful. This means no more rejecting him because he was rejected. But if you accept him, he will come. When you say, come into my heart, Lord Jesus, why don't you say that with me? Just pray it where you are. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Simple prayer. It's, the, it's a prayer that saves people forever. How many will Jesus save? Well, John said, as many as received him to those who believed in his name, in his saving power, in his grace, in his love. To them he gave the right to become the children of God. 
Now, I want you to celebrate right where you are, as all of heaven does too. As you declare with your mouth and believe in your heart, he's alive. He's, a, he's the, the forgiver. He's the Lord. Jesus Christ is Lord. Thanks for listening. For more podcasts, go to ivychurch.org slash media.